Well, we're going to hear from some people now who are here right at the start of the early genesis of the church. So unlike Di, Dave, and Pauline, and Joy, to join me on the stage, I'll introduce them in a moment. Let's make them feel very welcome as they come up. So just in case you don't know who everybody is, I'm Richard Lodge. I'm on the eldership team here at King's if you're a visitor. Uh, this is Di, married to Keith. Di, you were here right at the beginning of the church. Joy, as were you, you had no choice. You're Frank Matthews' daughter. So when Frank and Eileen moved, you moved too. And Dave and Pauline, you go back almost to the very, very beginning of the church. So great to join you. Great to have you up here. So we've just seen the video. The, the, the church started uh, by Frank and Eileen Matthews back in 1970s. Um, we take a step back. Um, before you moved here, you, Di, you and Keith, you were, you were part of a lively and, and thriving church in Hayes and Middlesex. You were with Frank and Eileen and, and others. And you were with a number of young couples in the church, uh, most of whom were in their 20s. And you started meeting up. After the Sunday meetings, you started meeting up. And you decided then, because of a close relationship with with those other couples, that you would pioneer something new that went just beyond that Sunday alone. So what was the new thing that you decided to do together? I um, approached Frank to run a Bible study. And at first he he said, no, I couldn't do that. So um, being young and persistent, I gave him some time and went back and said, we really would love you to do it, Frank. And he changed his mind. Well, the Holy Spirit changed his mind. And um, it was Maggie and Mike and um, Mim and Jeff and Keith and I. And we just enjoyed one another. And Joy graciously put up with all of us. And we used to take her out and Frank used to get cross. We were late bringing her back. (laughs) Now, some brochures. You were working for Procter & Gamble. You were in Hazel Middlesex. And some brochures came across your desk. Now, these brochures turn out to be quite significant. So just tell us a little bit about why these were significant. I was working with Pauline and we handled housing for the um, executives and these houses weren't up to that class. So um, Mim and Jeff were getting married and uh, Maggie and Mike were living in a flat and they both wanted to move. So I brought them home uh, to one of our meetings and we talked about where we would go and look at them and we came out all together, and the houses were like big dog and little dog, weren't they? <laughs> we, we just named them like that. What, why, why do you think these brochures came your way and they sort of moved? Why do you think that happened? Well, we, we came to realise much, much later, it was the Lord, but we were just looking to be together. There was, you know, we had no spiritual connotation with it. And presumably, it was a little bit cheaper than living in. Oh, cheaper, yeah. So there were certain attractions as well. And we got more for our money. Great. Joy, if I could come to you. Thank you, Di. Um, You were 13 when you were taken from Hayes, which is really, you had a long family background. The the wider family were from there. Uh, And then you moved out to to Hazelmere. How did this move affect you personally? Uh, To start with, I really didn't like it. I I found it very difficult. Um, 
I was in a church with a, a thriving young people's group um, and I had loads of friends. I went to a great school. I could walk to school and I had great friends at school. And, um, and then it, I heard rumours that we were going to move. And you did. And so did. what was it like when you moved? Presumably it was quite different when you moved out here from what you were used to in Hayes. It was very different. It, it was like chalk and cheese, really, from um, living in Hayes and having lots of friends. And um, we moved out here. And um, I was the only one my age. And um, I had to travel a long way to school. Um, I had to walk a mile to the bus stop, whereas in Hayes I just hopped over the road. And um, because of that, I felt very isolated, I suppose you could say. Um, I wasn't able to have very often friends come home from school with me because there wasn't a good bus service and um, Dad didn't get home from work till late, so weren't able to take them home again. So, a big contrast. So, you're paying a sort of personal price for this. How did you get through this? What did you learn about the Lord through this process, Joy? I think as I look back now, I, I can see that the Lord really did have his hand on me, even though it was difficult. It was a difficult age. I changed schools when I was 13. I went from a girls' school to a mixed school, with a completely different syllabus and, and lessons. Um, but I think, really, when I look back, it was a time when I had to find Jesus for myself and I couldn't rely on mum and dad anymore. You also told me that uh, it was about three or four years before you had other young people come along. And Who were the first couple of young people that came along and what was your reaction there was two young men that came along to Living Waters. You can see where we're going with this, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was Ron and Simon. And, and, um, and when I first saw Ron, I sort of looked him up and down. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought, no. Can I just say at this point, Joy, there's a date night we've got coming. That's the 29th of January. You and uh, Ron would be very welcome to attend that. Nikki and Scylla Lee from Holy Trinity Brompton will be heading that up. So something, Joy, a date for the diary for you. I think we're going to move on now, if that's, that's okay. I will now finish my sentence. We'll move on. Ron um, was very... Um, he was very spiritual, and uh, he liked to pray a lot, and he liked to play his tambourine. <laughs> but do you know, he became, and he still is, the love of my life. Still come to the date night, please. That's, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, there's, there's, there's work still to be done, clearly. Uh, if we could move on to Dave and Pauline. You, you live near Hayes, and neither of you 
uh, when you were at Hayes, you didn't have a Christian upbringing. You didn't have a Christian experience. Um, and before you moved to Hazelmere, um, um, uh, Pauline, you were working with Di at Proctor and, and Gamble. Your desks were next to each other. And uh, Di, as, as those of us who know, is quite a, an evangelist. She was very forthcoming in sharing her faith and happy to do so. And um, one day, Di told you something that really offended you. <laughs> what was it and why did it offend you? Well, although I'd not had a Christian background, I was always interested in God, I suppose you can say. I thought that I was a Christian, and Di very clearly told me that I wasn't. (laughs) Because I didn't believe in Jesus and never invited him into my heart, and uh, that deeply offended me at the time. (laughs) But you finally did respond to that that, that challenge. um, and you were suffering from panic attacks. And so what, how did you respond to that challenge and what difference did, did, that, did, that, yeah. did that make to you? Yeah, at the time, I wasn't coping with life at all, really. I was suffering from panic attacks and I was extremely shy, low self-esteem. And I saw something in Di. We became friends straight away and I, I saw something in Di that I wanted. She had the peace of God and I desperately wanted that at the time. And so I went home after she told me this thing that had deeply offended me and um, just considered it. And it was a very easy step for me because I'd always considered myself a Christian. So to find that there was the added bonus of Jesus coming to live in my heart and empower me, that was, that was a you know, no-brainer. I just uh, jumped at that you know, completely. That's great. Mm. That changed your life. It did. So Dave... We're still, we haven't got to Hazelmere yet. You're still in Hayes. Uh, you're about to get married to Pauline. And you were into everything spiritual, weren't you, at that, that time? Anything going except Christianity. And uh, I think Pauline drew you into some of the sort of early church meetings that were going on in, in Hayes. You carried on once the, the, the church had moved out to, to Hazelmere. What was it that kept you going as a, as a non-believer? What is it that drew you to, to meeting with this sort of strange bunch of born-again Christians? Yeah, well, um, I had to be ambushed first. That was, uh, we'd, we'd been to dinner with Diane Keith one evening, and um, there was just the four of us. And then suddenly, uh, Diane Keith said, um, we've got some other friends coming. And they'd already started turning up, actually. Would you like to stay? We're having a Bible study. And uh, <laughs> it was a bit difficult to say no, so we stayed. But what, what was challenging was that immediately and thereafter, um, I, could, I could tell how much, how much they loved one another. And they loved me, obnoxious though I was. And, uh, and that made the difference to me. That was what drew me. That was how God drew me to, to him if, through their love. And then you were sort of miraculously saved. You made a commitment and uh, one day and that, it sort of changed your life. But Dave, you were telling me that there was something that was so precious to you as the early church. There was Terry Vogo, I think, from, from, who used to head up New Frontiers. He came and he underlined this as one area that was really, really helpful for you as a church. Can you just unpack what that was and, and why it was so helpful? Yeah. Uh, well, that was, that was grace. And that's what, that's what Terry majors on um what does that mean it 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 means to me that that god 
showed favor towards me for no reason other than he showed favor towards me. He loved me, and I didn't deserve it. Um, and, and that favor, that grace, was something that we experienced a lot when we were small, you know, when we were living waters. Um, and what it, what it enabled was for us to, to love one another. That was a key thing, you know, where Jesus says to the disciples, um, I give you a new commandment, love one another, and by this they will know they who are going to come to me one day, that you are my disciples. And, and it was that love for one another, that, again, given to us by God, by grace, that enabled us to stay together when we were f- confronted with difficulties. And there were difficulties. There were splits and things that uh, challenged us as a body. But um, that love, that grace from God, enabled us to, to get through those things. And And I must say, you know, that that favor has, per, has per, pursued us as a body, you know, as a body here. It's pursued us. It's, it's in our midst now and is, is at the heart of everything that we still do. That's great. Thank you. Couples moved over there from Hayes to Hazelmere. It was a complex process uh, for a while. Those couples were meeting in different churches. Um, but then... In 1969, I'm going to move to die now. In 1969, you started to meet together. Uh, one Sunday, nine or ten, met for the first time in Frank and Eileen's lounge. At that time, die. What was the original vision of the church for those who met together? I'm smiling because vision didn't enter our thinking. And when I was thinking about what I was going to say today. God cut across my thoughts and he said to me, it wasn't about you, it was about me. He said, I, I wrote my story in the lives of nine very ordinary people. I baptized you in the Holy Spirit and I filled you with my love. And when we came together, we just enjoyed one another. We enjoyed meeting together, we enjoyed worshipping Jesus. And that really was um, our, we didn't have a vision, but... People were attracted, and God just brought people. You know, um, we had friends and neighbours, and they came. But it was all—it was all the Holy Spirit and this baptism of love. That's wonderful. So, no vision for a church of a thousand across multiple sites, multiple—none of that. Okay. So, you mentioned the Holy Spirit. There's a move of the Holy Spirit. So, Joy, I'd like to talk to you about that. You. You were meeting as a church regularly, you were midweek and Sundays, and then I think it was about 1972, a couple who weren't part of the church came to talk to you about something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they left, and as a, as a group, you chatted through, you discussed this new concept. Was it a thumbs up? What was the reaction of the church? No, it was definitely, I don't think this is for us. Thank you very much. So the church had categorically decided that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was definitely not for this, this, this growing group of people. What happened next? Well, then um, after that, everyone had gone home. Jeff and Mim had gone home. And uh, Jeff and Mim had thought to themselves, well, they were still mulling over this idea. Um, I think um, perhaps we should pray that if there is something else, that uh, we would have it. And what happened then? Well, 
they were miraculously filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was still at home with mum and dad and the phone rang and uh, dad answered it and I could hear him saying, okay, okay. And then he put the phone down and he said, Jeff and Mim have been filled with the Spirit. We better go round and see what's going on. I think the original phrase was, oh no, Jeff and Mim. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that right? So back to you, Di. So the Spirit moves and it's people, different people at different times are filled in different ways with, with the Holy Spirit. But for you, what characterized this move of the Spirit? What, what did that create? It was just a very loving atmosphere and a joy. We, it was wonderful to come together and we couldn't have enough. We were in and out of each other's houses. We shared everything, washing machines, cars. <laughs> it was just fantastic. And what about those outside? It just seemed to attract people, didn't it? it our love was contagious, really. That's great. So, so one by one, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The church starts to grow quite rapidly at this point. Uh, the Lord is saving people you're meeting and interacting with at the school gate. Um, but you were a church at that time of people, principally in the mid-20s. Um, you went on to outgrow Frank and Eileen's living room in Hazelmere. And then out of the blue, you're, you're given a gift from a couple who are outside the church. They give you £10,000. Uh, what year was that? That's some... 1971, 72, and you put an offer on a large house in, on the Penn Road that could accommodate 120 people. Back to you, Dave. What happened when you put in that offer on the house? Well, it was turned down because they wanted more than we'd offered. Um, but um, as far as I remember, it went to auction eventually, and, um, and we bought it for £1,700. 17,000 £17, pounds, yeah. still, <laughs> yeah. Nevertheless, not a great deal, but it was then, um, which was less than we'd offered for it in the first place. Uh, how, did, uh, what, so, how did you interpret that? Well, we kind of felt that God was on our side, that he wanted us to be there. In fact, the, the church carried on growing. So you had now Living Waters, this building that could accommodate more people, um, and you outgrew it. And then you start meeting in primary schools, then it's secondary schools, a work is planted in High Wycombe. So it's a time of, of growth, a time of faith. The Holy Spirit's doing wonderful things. The meetings are getting bigger. The worship style is changing to accommodate the extra people that are coming. Sounds great. But then around 1980, the future and the unity of the church were put under huge strain. So Pauline, what happened next? And how did this affect you on a personal level? Yeah. Um, well, we were in a group with some very close friends. We got very close over the years. Um, but because the church was becoming more structured, they didn't agree with the uh, way that we were going forward. And unfortunately, about 12 people left the church, and all of them were close friends of ours. So from close friends, what happened to the relationships? What, was the, what were the interactions now like with those that had left? Well, the people who left, unfortunately, felt that they couldn't have anything more to do with us. And they stopped speaking to us, stopped relating to us. And it was a very, very painful time indeed. Um, I found it particularly hard because they were our closest friends. 
And these are people with whom you'd share some of your deepest things. And so what did God teach you through that time? I think I quickly realized that I'd been depending more on people than I had on God. I remember Jesus speaking to me very simply. I was full of self-pity, I suppose, and I was praying and saying, but I haven't got any friends. And he said very simply and clearly to me, but I'm your friend. And I realized that I'd put more emphasis on relationships than I had on my relationship with God. And so I had a choice then. I could be bitter and um, resentful, unforgiving. Um, We'd, up until that time, I had viewed the church with a completely rosy glow and thought everything was perfect. But suddenly there was this devastating occurrence and um, it really hurt me. But I had to choose then whether to take the unforgiving and bitter roots, maybe leave the church even, because it wasn't as perfect as I thought it was. And, but I chose because God continued to speak to me about that and about, you know, he wooed my heart really. And I had a, my relationship with, with Jesus deepened through those things. That's wonderful. Thank you. The church continued to grow, and to accommodate the growth, there was a, the, there were plans for a building. We finally moved in here in 1994, cost 1.7 million pounds to build this alone. For around about half of that was taken out with the bank to to finance this work and this facility. How, Dave? How was the loan with the bank secured, and what did that mean for people? Well, it was necessary for a number of families to. Uh, make their homes available as equity to the bank. Uh, Basically to secure the loan. To secure the loan, yeah. yeah. Uh, What that would have meant is that had had it defaulted, had this not actually happened uh, properly or, you know, we defaulted on the payments, uh, then those people would have lost their homes. So the, the solicitor, our solicitor, said that he would have to interview our children, uh, who were, many of those were teenagers by then, um, because they needed to know what they were letting themselves in for as well. So it was a question of, uh, do you realise that you could end up on the street if this goes wrong? The, and that, the solicitor that was the reality, was very, wasn't it? The solicitor was very anxious about that. Yeah. <laughs> 1994, we move in. 1994, there's a big move of the Holy Spirit, sometimes reported as in the Christian media as the Toronto blessing, and it affected the church here. Now, it was, Dave, it was distinctive and slightly different from the move of the Spirit that had occurred in the 1970s. So what characterized this new move, this fresh move of the Spirit that really broke out in 1994 as we're coming into the building? Well, it was... It was a, a, a large move of the spirit uh, amongst a large number of people. And um, it made a big difference um, to, to us all, I think, who were here then. That uh, uh, We'd settled down a bit, I think. We'd settled down a little bit. We, we'd got a bit pewish, you could say. And then along came the Lord uh, by the power of the spirit. And, and that was an amazing thing that happened to us all. Um, a lot of ministries flourished again or new ministries flourished and there was a, a just a general uh, joy and laughter and charging about and being blessed and set free really. and being set free yeah, yeah. It was a special time 
So we've, now we've grown to, thank you, Dave, we've grown to a church that, that God, has close to 700 on, on, on Sunday mornings across two meetings. We're about to launch a new site in Hazelmere. How do you view, die this new chapter for the, for the church? I think it's incredibly exciting. I'm really looking forward to a fresh beginning and for all that God's going to do. And I would, obviously I'm asking him to come by his Holy Spirit and baptize us in a new way again, because I'm greedy. (laughs) So even more, but new stuff. Thank you, Di. Joy, you've been in the church right at the beginning. For you, how do you see this next step, this new move? I think it's really, really exciting. Not once did I ever think, oh gosh, we are going back to Hazelmere, I've been there and done that. But um, it's completely the opposite. I think it's going to give people new ownership and to be involved in a, a new a new project. And um, so no way am I hanging up my shoes. I'm going to get my trainers on and I'm ready to run again. That's great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Can we make uh, the team feel very welcome as they take their seats? Uh, Neil, to come and join me. Neil, you're still new here, aren't you, really? Yeah, you, you I am, came, I yeah, am, I You am. came in the sort of late 1980s. You yep. moved over from Amersham. Yep. And then you picked up the leadership of the church in the early 1990s. For you, what are some of the key observations, some of the key distinctives, your thoughts on the King's Church High Wycombe? Do you know, when I, when I came here, I was, I was just bowled over by the sheer energy of the people. The sheer energy, the sheer commitment, their conviction to follow Jesus. I know church isn't perfect, but that first day when I came in, I just saw this church... And they've been up since, I don't know, half past seven in the morning, getting it all ready so they could get into the, into the school. And, and they were there until one o'clock, sorting it all out, or half past one. I mean, the sheer dynamism of the church. I thought, this church can't do anything else but fly. It just cannot do anything else. So I thought the commitment was astonishing. And it's not that I hadn't seen commitment before, but I, I just caught it in a new way. I just knew it wouldn't stay as it was, you know, that it would, it would have to grow. There was no other way to do that. I never envisaged this, but it was, it was marvelous, absolutely brilliant to see. Um, does that help? Just two or three or even four words. As you look ahead to, and you don't, don't know, I'm not going to ask you this, so I'm putting you on the spot. As you look towards the new, an extra site up in Hazelmere, what are your thoughts? Just a, just a very few I just words. Want, I just want to go just a step back first, Richard, um, so it won't be three or four words. Uh, the thing is, um, so one of the things, I was there at that day when they were signing the document for the uh, £800,000, I think, or maybe more loan. I was there. And, um, you, and I was there when the solicitor did all his stuff and how serious it was and... And do you know what? The people just stood there and laughed. They laughed with joy as they signed this document, as they signed away their homes. 
And the, the, the moon in the room was just brilliant. It was faith, my friends. It was just magnificent, wonderful faith. And I sat in that room and I was soaked by the faith of God's people for this building. And it's the same faith now, Richard. It's the same faith that goes, we're not happy to stay as we are. Uh, we want to move on. We, we have, I love what Dave said about the favor of God. The favor of God. And uh, so I don't, I don't see, I think so. We have to, we have to move. We have no, we, we cannot stay. We have no other, um, we have no alternatives. Well, let's move. And, um, you know, Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, I think it's verse 36, uh, I need to go to somewhere else. I need to go to places nearby to preach this gospel. This is what I have been called to do. We have to go to nearby places and bring this gospel to the people and be a blessing to them because we have a wonderful inheritance in God. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Please. A few words. Take a seat again. Thank you. We really wanted Frank to share some thoughts. We thought the, the best way to do that was to, to have a video done. So we've done that. We'd just like to hear what some of the thoughts, key, key moments for Frank who established this church. One was the opening of the new building. That, that, was, that was amazing. We had some very good reports back on that. Uh, and, and, and that was just, just a blessing. And also, look, look where the building is. It's in the centre of the town. Uh, and so this other one is in, in the, you know, very close. We had to put our houses on the market, and I, I had was very had lots of doubts because Eileen uh, uh, and myself were fifteen, twenty years older. This group, and we had a lot more responsibilities. Uh, but um, in many ways, I was hoping that the house of my, the sale of my house would fall through. I I would have been quite happy if it all folded. The Holy Spirit wanted it open. And, uh, and we can trace it. In every big move, there's been the work of the Spirit uh, leading us on. And that's, that's the key to our success, is to trust him, follow him. Comfort zone. But we've got to follow Wonderful, wonderful. Answer to prayer, uh, just just absolutely. Where did that building come from? Uh, I'm sure it wasn't made for us, but it is for us. Uh, and um, it'll be a time of a great groan. I don't think we know. 
But I do think one thing. Whenever we've moved, it has been an outpouring of the Spirit. Different ways. Very different. From laughing our heads off to having to seriously consider where we're going. And uh, and I, I, as long as we're looking for the Spirit and and trusting Him, we just got to, that's faith. We just have to keep walking. That's great. Thank you. It's great to hear from Frank. Really, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Faith inspiring. Now, another couple, very pivotal, uh, not just at the outset of the church, but being here throughout the growth of the church as well as uh, Jeff and Mim. They were mentioned earlier. Mim, I think, is busy uh, sorting stuff out, refreshing. She's here. Wonderful. Escape the kitchen. Um, but I'd like to invite Jeff up to join me here. I'd like Jeff just to give thanks, to pray and give thanks for what God has already done. And then specifically to pray for our next chapter, next chapters as a church as we look ahead to the future. So, Jeff, we want to just say a massive thank you for all you and Mim have done and how pivotal you've been in welcoming new people into the church. We really appreciate it. We'd love for you to pray. Thank you. I just need to, having seen Frank on screen, I'm just a bit wobbly at the moment, so if you'll forgive me for that. He's a great old friend, and he's not too well at the moment. But uh, So it says in the Psalms, it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. So we're going to do a good thing. We're going to give thanks for what we've seen and heard and that God has brought us here together. But we've seen maybe four threads here of people, four or five people. There are in this room probably 400 threads where, that have come together from various walks of life, backgrounds, nations, and God has brought us here. And I just want you to think now, what am I thankful for? What am I personally thankful for about being here at King's Church? You might have been here for a week or you might have been here for years. Just make it a personal thanks and then we'll give thanks together. So I'm just going to give you a few seconds. To just, what am I... It is a good thing to give thanks. Let's be thankful. Think of, think of the way you've, you've come. How God had his hand on your life, though you did not know it. Look back. We're asked in the Bible to remember so many things. God is good. Is he faithful? Yes, so faithful. Lord, as we, as we look back today on your goodness, we are just overwhelmed with thanks to you. What a good God. What a faithful God we have. We don't know where we'd be without you. And we want to say, Lord, it's only a little word. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for my friends here. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the faith that has brought us to this place, which is even that is a gift from you. It's not something we generated. Your hand, your grace is the story of our lives. And we want to say thank you.
And Lord, we also want to say that we are challenged as we face the future. But we are excited about that challenge. We are, we are we're facing a cost of missions. But at the same time, we are confident because of what you've done. Because we know you're faithful. And so, Lord, as we step out as a church, and who knows what else you will do in this area of Wickham. And that the miles and miles around Wickham, where there are 150, nearly 200,000 people if we go further. Lord, we have a lot to do. And we just ask for your strength and your grace. We ask that you'll keep us humble, that you'll keep us serving, you'll keep us giving, you'll keep us surrendering to you, so that your glory and your spirit will fall again and again. And we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.